Welcome back. We continue the farming show. KGMI News Talk 790. A fish rescue. How do you rescue? Why, why would you need to rescue fish? Cool collaboration between farmers and uh, conservationists. The Whatcom Conservation District, uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. This past week, uh, Department of Ecology was out there, Whatcom County, City of Bellingham, City of Lynn, a whole bunch of folks, and others too, just volunteers helping out neighbors out on Double Ditch Stream. This gives us a chance to talk about a couple of things uh, that I think are important to the environment here uh, locally and and to what farmers are doing. Joining us this morning, by the way, I want to say thank you. Uh, to our sponsors. Farmers Equipment Company sponsoring the program this morning. Also McAvoy Oil and uh, Laurel Farm and Western Supply. So big thank you to them. Larry Stapp, uh, co-owner of Twin Brook Creamery, longtime uh, local dairyman, joins us uh, on the program this morning. And and Larry, you know, I, I think you and I started hearing about this at the same time and we started working together talking about, well, what can we do to help these fish but uh, how are you explaining this story? I've had to explain it about a thousand times to different people and, you know, reporters and getting press releases out and information to potential volunteers and all kind of stuff. But uh, how do you explain to people? Number one, people just think of double ditches, a ditch, but it's a salmon stream. And suddenly there were some fish stranded on this thing. How does that happen? Well, good morning, Dylan. Uh, thanks for inviting me on your program again. You bet. It was uh, a rather interesting, uh, I think it all started uh, about on a, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, maybe, or Thursday, somewhere right in there. I don't recall 100%, but I got an email from the uh, Department of Agriculture, one of their nutrient management inspectors, and he asked, do you have water in the stream in front of your place yet? So I go outside and look, and yeah, there's water flowing. It's low flow, but, you know, it's pretty typical this time of the year. And that was about the end of it, other than the fact he responded that uh, it's drying up a little quicker than they expected and and uh, wondering if there was something going on uh, north of the Canadian border because our dairy is a half a mile from the uh, Canadian border. Didn't think too much more of it. And then I get a call from uh, uh, Fred Lickle of Whatcom Family Farmers and uh, uh, lots of other affiliated organizations that he works with and explained to me a little bit of the situation and uh, the wheels just kind of started cranking in my head. Well, we've got a irrigation line laying right exactly in the proper area, right alongside Double Ditch there, and running an irrigation sprinkler off of it on our grass fields that uh, we harvest for the winter feed for our cows. And I said, you know, if you guys can come up with a, uh, a time frame of getting the restoration back, if there's a blockage in Canada, which they all suspected, I'll throw some water in a ditch for a couple of days because the timing was kind of just right. We just went past some of our 90 plus degree days, which just suck moisture out of the ground faster than you can put it in. The um, grass, grass crop is about uh, probably one week it was from being harvested, uh, maybe a week and a half. So I had nice ground cover in terms of length of grass, you know, it was two feet tall. And I thought, well, we'll just shut the sprinkler off for a couple of days and uh, throw some water in a ditch. It wasn't a few minutes later, Joel Ingram from Washington State Department of Fish and Wildlife calls me up and says, I hear you making an offer. And I said, well, sort of, sort of not. What's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, he said, we got people going up into making contact into BC right now to see if we can get some help up there. But we're hoping that by Monday morning, this can be resolved. Well, it was a Friday afternoon. 
so I finished one of my runs on the irrigation on Saturday morning. We shut the sprinkler off. We opened the valve and we uh, pumped. Um, and I haven't figured out the gallons, but uh, significant gallons of water into double ditch to get the stream flow back up to um, uh, keep it from drying out further and, and protect what uh, fish that were already in there. So explain to people how, how that works. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the ditch was starting to dry up. And the ditch, again, we call it a ditch, but it's actually a salmon-bearing stream, has its headwaters up in B.C., uh, right as it comes across the border and goes through culverts under Zero Avenue and under Boundary Road, it splits into two, uh, two ditches on either side of Double Ditch Road, uh, people in the North County probably familiar with it. And those two streams go all the way into Linden and then eventually connect up with uh, Fish Trap Creek. If this is drying up, why is there still water in front of your place? But then downstream, there was no water and no connection to, to Fish Trap Creek for these fish to get out. How does that happen? Well, I'm, I'm not a hydrologist and I'm not a fish expert, but I, I do know enough that this typically happens every year. It starts at the south end. The water flow goes subsurface. But, of course, fish can't live subsurface. So as this begins to happen, the fish will begin migrating north or upstream to maintain uh, uh, flowing water. So, so even it, though it's upstream, there's still water moving up farther north because it's a, oh, a yeah, lower yeah. or something doesn't soak into the ground as quickly, whatever, but the water will stay in the stream up farther north, even though downstream uh, it has dried up for a time the driest part of the summer. That's right. I, I live on my birthplace. I've watched this for 64 years, and it has never dried up in front of our place uh, up by the Canadian border, but it does... Uh, you know, get about three, four miles downstream and it mm -hmm. will go subsurface and dry up. This, was, so th this was the part that didn't make any sense to me when I first heard about this. I thought, well, gosh, if the stream is drying up, it would dry up logically f farther upstream and then that would move down back towards the creek. But it's actually the other way around. And I think that was a, what a lot of people were confused about when we were getting the word out that fish are stranded because they couldn't connect to the rest of the stream because it's dried out. But then the issue was how quickly it dried up, too. I think that was a, uh, an, important, fish and wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, from an important point there where they didn't have the yeah. chance to get up to the water where uh, they could hide out up farther north upstream. And so a bunch of fish died. Yeah. You know, we, we don't give our animals and fish and all that stuff, I think, a lot of credit for how intelligent they really are. And so I guess what happens, as far as I've been told, is that as the stream will slowly start drying up on the downstream end, these fish know it and they continue to migrate upstream into the uh, waters that are still flowing. But what happened is was when a, a blockage occurred across the line in B.C., it caused it to deplete rapidly rather than slowly, not giving the fish downstream enough time to get up. I got stranded in some little pools or just got high, high centered and high and dry on mm -hmm. some gravel bars. And consequently there was a, a significant number of fish that uh, became stranded and died. And uh, henceforth, if this continued, uh, the stream probably would have dried up further and further and further up North, uh, even taking more fish, uh, killing more fish as it went. So that's when we kicked things in gear and, uh, threw some water in and kept the stream flowing and it actually increased it back downstream a little bit further again before it actually did dry out again. But we threw a fair amount of water there. 
It was uh, it was very interesting because um, Fish and Wildlife then put a, a a barrier net across the stream, oh probably a good half mile down from where I started throwing water in, so that even the fish that were getting now the water didn't go back downstream. So I went and watched this uh, event, you know, later on in the evening on Saturday evening, and it was absolutely amazing not only to see uh, the fish, but the crawdads that did survive downstream from the net were just frantically crawling crawling upstream yet to make sure they survived and got water so you could you could see a lot of um marine life uh well not marine life but uh creek life uh right Aquatic fighting life, for survival yeah, yeah it, it, it was it was a very but, impressive thing to and see. what was unbelievable to me was just how much aquatic life was down in that ditch in the parts that uh, dried out and were killed too i went to check that out and you know and and joel ingram with with wdfw have been saying yeah a bunch of fish got killed and i thought well how many fish are really down in there and i climbed down into the bottom of the ditch that's a deep it's deeper than you think too because a lot yep. of those areas don't normally dry all the way out so you can't see all the way to the bottom it's way down there and man oh man what i mean there was there was uh, coho salmon just you know, little tiny uh, yep. uh, smolts, yep. little fry, yeah. And yep. uh, there was steelhead, there was bull trout, another resident trout. There was stickleback down there, uh, freshwater lamprey, freshwater mussels in there. Uh, an unbelievable amount of of uh, crawdads or cra- crayfish or whatever yep. the technical term is for those. I know them as crawdads. All kinds, all this kinds of, all this kind of stuff down in, again, what a lot of people just think of as a ditch, but you know, and I know now is very clearly a salmon bearing and and life supporting stream. This is just another reminder to us of the stewardship that's necessary, uh, on these waterways all over Whatcom County. Absolutely. And I was just really thankful that uh, we were able to show the greater community that a lot of times they think that we all fight you know we're all on our own agenda but you know when push comes to shove and we we can let's say move government out of the way yeah we can get things done in a real quick hurry and uh, i have to give mr joel ingram a lot of credit and a lot of thank yous and a lot of kudos because he put some stuff together really fast i think it even even surprised him how quickly he got the crew together and how things responded and uh, and stuff like that. So well, and I, I, w- I was really uh, appreciative too of all the and, and I'm sure you would agree, Larry, all the offers that we got from around the farming community. I mean, if we we would have needed another fifty people out there, we could have had them because there were a lot of people saying, "How can we help? Just let us know. Keep us on call, and if you need us, we'll come out there." And we, you know, it turned out they didn't need that many people. What they had tried to do at one point was, uh, and I don't know if we talked about this part yet, but to try to actually scoop some of the fish out of the the side of the stream that was drying up because there was still water on the other side of the the stream. That since the stream yeah. splits and basically is on either side of the road. Um, to try to rescue some fish and move them over there to where there was better water. Now, because of the water that you added, that didn't become as necessary because they were able to figure out this blockage and get water moving again. That didn't become as big of a deal. And they also found it to be a really big challenge to get those fish out of of, of the side that was uh, drying up but still had a little water in it just because all the vegetation in there. And this is like natural stream kind of vegetation, all that underwater. I don't know the names of all the plants. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's... It turned out they didn't need, you know, the dozens of people we thought we might have to rally. But I don't know about you, but I heard from a lot of people saying, yeah, well, count me in. Just tell me when to show up and I'll help out if you need me. Oh, yeah, it was it was amazing. And, and 
and uh well i i drove up there like i say on on monday morning and here's the city of linden with staff out there and i said what are you guys doing here and well they told us to come out here and get to work and get helping and it was just 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 absolutely amazing all the cooperation that just happened in a in a drop of a hat and going back to what uh, you had said about trying to retrieve the fish from one side to the other side uh talking with joel that morning later on he says I was absolutely astounded at how well those things can hide. <laughs> <laughs> those fish know how to hide. Yeah, they do. They do. And they find a lot of yep. stuff, even in, and again, what people consider a ditch, uh, they find a lot of stuff to, to hide behind. What, um, what effect is this going to have on your field that you had to shut that irrigation down for, for, for a couple of days? I think uh, a couple of days is not going to affect us uh, as significantly, if at all, because of the, uh, things I had told you earlier of the timing of it all and uh, the, the cover of crops and all that stuff. So, still so we're just you, thankful. Yeah, still yeah. got to make you feel kind of funny though to shut the oh, shut the sprinkler yeah. off when the sun is beating down and oh, you know the, it, the field yeah. looks good, but yeah. you don't want it to dry out. No, no, and, and you know you got to kind of balance um, um, this whole thing that we're talking about. You know, uh, of environmental stewardship. Uh, you know, sure it's environmental stewardship to keep our grout. Uh, fields green and grass growing you know we do carbon sequestration and all that kind of stuff just for that but there's the uh, fish side of it too and uh I, I you know we do an open house every year in september and that is one of the things i do try to talk about with a lot of community people is the importance of keeping that stream clean because it is mm -hmm. full of a full of aquatic life just full of it so well and some people i know yeah. scoffed at this oh how many fish can you really save and how big of a difference well you know each one of those little fish can multiply into i mean how many eggs could each one potentially lay when they become adults you know i mean yep. th there's a huge yep. multiplier there and you and i know the seriousness of the situation uh, of salmon recovery and we're, we're seeing it in the news right now salmon recovery very closely tied to the recovery of these orcas that are struggling so badly and a, a lot of people yep. are upset watching that it's all connected and that that's why this community this the farming community here locally is stepping up to do this absolutely and we all need to do our Part, you know i mean we maybe did just a little part but I, that's what it takes everybody doing their little part and that's where it's you know i mean uh look at look at all the uh, streamside buffers that have been Im implemented over the years on farmland and and then of course hatchery production they got to keep that going and you know and and of course now the it's coming to light through studies of uh, the harbor seal and uh, sea lion population mm -hmm. and the impact they're having on the orca feeding so we all just you know it's a it's a big orchestrated thing that has to come together for everybody working and uh, we'll get there. Absolutely. We'll get there. Everybody's just got to do their part. Yeah. So what, what's next is always the question. This is a good example though, of, of what we've been calling real, real environmental action and leadership. And we've really been trying to showcase a lot of the things that for years and years have gone almost entirely unnoticed. And that's all the work that, uh, farmers and the farming community has been doing as far as environmental stewardship and, and protecting uh, the natural environment, protecting fish, protecting soil, protecting land, protecting uh, other wildlife and waterfowl even that uh, call our fields home uh, throughout the winter, things like this. Um, you know, I think I think the time is changing now as people are starting to recognize farmers do a lot out there and, and farmers are and have to be to be sustainable they have to be real environmentalists absolutely i always firmly believe to this day that the ultimate environmental environmentalist is the agricultural community you know i mean i'm not anti-urban and all that kind of stuff but when you when you talk about 
protecting the environment you know farming and forestry they're about as good as it gets you know um it's just yeah we do huge amounts to protect wildlife you know stream habitat on and on and on well and you wouldn't have a business unless you you did that because you you live in and among and farm (laughs) around nature that's just how it works larry stapp co-owner of twin brook creamer along with his uh, son-in-law mark tolsma and their whole families and and everybody involved in the operation out there thanks for being on the program thanks for all the good work that you guys uh, do and we pr- appreciate you checking in this morning i, I imagine you got to run you probably got cows to feed <laughs> hey dylan thank you for uh, inviting me in and letting me share my side of the story